Welcome to Window on Technology, the tech podcast with Tobias Fenster. Welcome to this episode of the Window on Technology podcast. I'm here at the Azure Developer Community Day at the Microsoft Germany headquarters in Munich. And I'm very happy that one of the organizers and one of the speakers have agreed to join me to talk about their highlights, feedback, whatever they thought about this particular day. But first of all, please introduce yourself. So uh, my name is Ralph. I'm uh, Lead Dev and Cloud Solution Architect and MVP in three years, um, working for a company called Double Slash. And also one of the founders, key organizers, whatever the title is of the Azure Developer Community Day, uh, right? Founder. Founder, okay. That's true. Very, very great. So, hi, I'm Louisa. Um, I'm a Power Platform Developer, MVP in two categories, and I think I'm that in since four years. Yeah, four years now. Okay. Perfect. You're a speaker today here. And I've been a speaker today here, and I had um, a very nice session full of Super Mario memes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a great one. So, um, yeah, I'm your host, Tobias Fenster, uh, and here just to ask the stupid questions. First stupid question, what was your highlight of the day? Anything that stood out to you now that we're back from a pandemic hybrid only thing to a in-person event? So, Yeah, I think the most obvious thing, of course, meeting people again. And of course, it's always nice to be at Microsoft in Munich in the headquarter and just like seeing familiar faces. So that would be, of course, the obvious one. But um, of course, there was uh, like a super nice mix of sessions today, just like from kind of all different areas. So very technical ones then about mental health, um, collaboration tracks. So there was just like a lot to discover and a lot to just reach out. And not just like to stay in your own very, very small filter bubble. And this is what I truly appreciate about this um, event. Oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. So um, uh, for me, it was the outstanding support of the community because this event is driven by the community for the community and we do not have uh, any like uh, service partners or so um, aiding us with this event so it's the support of the community they jumped in every job was uh, done by, by the community and that was really pretty awesome to see that uh, happening as you're one of the founders what, what's the story of this event why did it happen why did you start it so, um, I mean, the problem of the general cloud and Azure uh, events were like IT pro events and always the developer was behind. And we tried to fix that gap, so-called, so that the developer has its own um, stage to speak and to learn, and to meet and to network. And uh, we felt that was missing, so we came in and up with this event. Okay. Um, last year, I think it was an, a hybrid event in the sense that the speakers were on site and, and the audience basically were uh, just watching via video, yes. obviously because of the pandemic situation. Yeah. So is this the first one that you're running in person? Or? This is the first one running in person and it was a shame. It was <laughs> blasting. It was really... <laughs> uh, so I, I, can't, I can't find words for it still. What, what was the biggest surprise, you know, going from virtual to in person? What What did you not expect to happen? 
Um, so it, uh, as the event started, it looked like that the uh, no-show rate could be much higher than, than expected, but lucky us, that was really cool because the uh, digits went on great for us and we had a hundred plus people here around us. Um, that was a really cool one. Uh, last question on the event. We're here at the Microsoft headquarter and uh, in uh, Microsoft headquarter for Germany in Munich. I should be um, precise. precise here, exactly. Um, and Microsoft is not exactly, you know, um, open for spending a lot of money nowadays. So how much of a struggle was it um, to be honest to, to get this happen? Because I didn't expect it and I was very happy to be here. And I think it's quite an achievement. So how did you make it happen? Uh, so the, you don't have to ask the how. So it was when did the planning start? And that was on the 8th of October as Microsoft uh, was granting us this location. Okay. And from that point on, we planned this event, making it happen today yeah. on 13th of December. Okay. I, I, I thought the last question, but one last one. How much of your time does it take to set this up? Are you working uh, still or are you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so uh, you can count in at least 120 up to 160 hours or something like that. It yeah. is, yeah, time consuming, but worth every minute. Yeah, great. And I, I will do it again. <laughs> yeah, that was the, the ending of your uh, closing notes basically was see you in, in 2023 and yes. I think that's a promise you made to the community not to put any pressure on you but uh, <laughs> no pressure no pressure not at all but I think um, a lot of people would be very happy to see the repeat yeah me too and it is, it is a great feeling to see all these community speakers out there all the professional stuff they're going up to usually they are paid for uh, which are they sharing? And um, yes, we will make that 2023 happen. Great. With your support. That's a that's a great announcement. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Louise, I was in your session as well. And um, as you've been brief on the highlights part, I'll just come up with a question for you. Um, you had the session that basically was putting a bit more code into the low code story. Yeah. And I was actually surprised how much code it was. Um, in a way, because you had quite some things that, that you could do in the Power Platform and um, do, and we have guests now, but no worries, um, th that you can do by putting some code in. So my question for you is, how does that story work? If you bring in code and it's perfectly possible, as you've shown, you can achieve amazing results, but how does the overall story still make sense if you say low code, no code, but then you have to put in quite some code to make it work in the way that you want it? Well, I guess, um it's always the case that marketing is telling a different story than users, developers, IT pros are experiencing in real life. This is why sessions at conferences stating somewhat like, hey, this is a real world scenario, always get picked because always people are interested in that um, kind of approach rather than having those overproduced marketing slides that tell a story that they want us to believe in. And they want us to believe in that story and that fairy tale because they earn money from us believing that fairy tale. Now, I'm slightly over the age of six, so I do not really believe in fairy tales anymore. And yesterday evening, there might be some gin involved. We had already uh, coined the term of fairy tale driven development. Um, so I, I think it's just like it's, it's always the case that reality is different from what we, uh, what we get as a story. But to be very, very honest, of course, you can make a crappy app 
without any or very, very low code approach. You can do that and it serves great as a click dummy, as a proof of concept, as just like something to get the right people at the table and then discuss a thing rather than just like showing um, just like a PowerPoint slide. And it's just like easier to have that because show don't tell. But if you really want to have something that works sustainably over a longer time period, that is maintainable, that can update, of course you need to at least approach that project with a developer mindset and most often there will be just like more code involved as the marketing story that Microsoft tells us. Mm. So the, the answer to how can you make that happen is the recently framed fusion team. So how would you see that work in reality if yeah. not the M365 princess, which is your <laughs> moniker, um, <laughs> jumps in and helps people with doing things. Yeah. But how would it work if you're not involved? Yeah, well, so um, of, of, of course, um, that's another fairy tale on top of that fairy tale. So maybe that's fairy tale section or some kind of that. So Fusion Dev is like the idea, yeah, we have some developers and they then have the citizen developers or makers or creators, just like the local people with the critical parts or they make it sustainable or something like that. And I don't really buy that story because that would be somehow like, yeah, and then these developers will partner up with the ops part. No, that is one role. The DevOps is one role. Maybe it's distributed across uh, across another team, but it is one role. And the same goes for Fusion Dev, which means that if you are a traditional maker, you will need to level up. And you will need to adopt that developer mindset. And you will need to learn how to build software. That does not necessarily mean that you need to just like deep dive into um, correct syntax, because we have a lot of tooling that can help with that, but it's more about how to approach uh, a project rather than just like, yeah, I just need to click, click, finish, and then my job is done, because that is not how it works. Mm -hmm. I, well, you had a session on Dapper and um, Azure Container Apps? Or, yes. Yeah. Um, so basically, in a way, that's also a way how you can reduce code, right? You, you, you use frameworks, you use managed platforms to make sure that you're not writing the same boilerplate code over and over again, but you're just using functionalities. Now, uh, well, I would say by the introduction of Dapper, you have the possibility to um, be more, let's say, uh, independent from different clouds providers and uh, also for languages, due to the fact that you can build uh, applications running Dapper as a sidecar which is then taking care of non-functional requirements. So imagine you have a container running, uh, requiring some data from anywhere. You can use Dapper to get that data. And the specialization, in this case, for instance, uh, getting it from Azure SQL is, is then managed by uh, Dapper mm -hmm. instead of including an SDK into your container and um, building that stuff with a connection string and so on to get the data then from uh, from that point. And that makes it possible to share this Dapper instance through your microservices architecture and to not re-implement uh, all that stuff again. If that's the case, what you wanted to say, then you're true. <laughs> <laughs> not, not exactly, I, uh, not I, exactly. I, I, I think the point was that this is a similar approach. Yeah. Like you just like abstract away some complexity yes. by making something that helps yeah. just like making things platform agnostic, framework agnostic, language agnostic, yes. so that you need 
you do not need to reinvent yep. the same the wheel, wheel over yes. and over again. Yeah, yeah. And of course, same goes for a power platform. So, yeah. um, of course, so there's just like a lot of pre-built-in functions. And my job as a maker is calling those functions. Yeah. I don't need to write them because they are already built in. Someone else wrote them for me. That does not mean this is just like not code. It's just like that someone else wrote that code for me and I can just like consume it. Yep. And same goes for a taper. Yeah. Someone else wrote that. That is somehow a low-code approach. Then, in that sense as well, because it's abstracting away some complexity that otherwise I would need to deal with myself, which I usually do not want because I'm lazy. Um, I heard you lazy as well. Yeah, I'm pretty lazy. I'm a developer. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we are all lazy. Yeah. Yeah. Being I'm lazy means that you always go for the shortest uh, to achieve your. Uh, software project yeah. Yeah. and it's absolutely not low code i would say but still it's it's, it's abstracting like, away some like things yeah not low code in the literal sense but just like in the sense of yeah i want to make things simpler yeah then they usually are by abstracting away the complexity and, and that actually brings me to an interesting question because i i had some discussions with colleagues who are traditional pro developers and they were looking into the power platform and they said, well, that looks interesting. I can build a, build a prototype. It's not that they disliked it or anything, but in a way they are developers because they want to be developers. And I can fully personally fully identify with that. I'm a developer because I like writing code and seeing how whatever I build is working. So in a way, I feel like there is a pushback from using things like the power platform because it's taking away some of the things that I like doing. But on the other hand side, if I use an architecture that takes away complexity like Dapper, that's absolutely no problem. And I personally have not been able to resolve that conflict, but I there's think no, maybe you have no, an idea. <laughs> there's, there's no conflict. Uh, Dapper is, um, is not going to, to have the same uh, idea of low code or no code, right? It is just dealing with your non-functional requirements which is not the same like as a power platform. Because when, when Dapper comes inside, we are talking about non-functional requirements and we have business logic inside our container. Within Power Apps, you consume other functionalities to build your, um, your application. business yeah. Uh, functionality, yeah. right? So uh, this is the, the business logic and this is the very difference in between. Okay. Non-functional requirements and uh, abstracting them or making it more less complex due to the fact that you don't have to develop it by using building blocks makes it more easy to focus on your business logic. Okay. While you have to know at the power platform what is the functionality you can use to set up your business logic. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you feel about the idea to bringing in pro developers into power platform roles? <laughs> well, um, a power platform itself uh, gives somebody the possibility to create an app. Uh, this is needed due to the fact that we do not have enough developers. So um, I would love to see uh, that developers are playing with that around to make it better at the end of the day, because uh, you have to have an understanding of how software works at, at the glance. Um, but still, it is there to achieve uh, smaller goals in a faster way without having the need to understand how to develop and then how can I say that with ages of uh, experiences so it's, it brings you the possibility to create a software 
um, on another way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's a better way or a, a less better way. It is, it is a way to achieve a goal, a need to fulfill a requirement. But do you see someone who likes to be a developer today move into a power platform world? Sorry, I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. um, would you see someone who is a professional developer now move and, and likes to do that and, and uh, has joy in developing applications move into a power platform role? Well, if I know there's a functionality given from the power platform and I have a use case, which doesn't mean I have to share it all over the world, um, I'm going with the power platform if the functionality is given there. Okay. And it, I'm a lazy guy <laughs> and I want quick results, so I go with that. Yeah. If I'm doing a project where it comes into microservices architecture or something like that, I'm going into code and writing code and I want a uh, resilient, sustainable and, and uh, a stateless or stateful application, depending on the requirements. This is a complete difference approach than using Power Platform. Yeah. So I don't know how do you see that? Well, of course it depends, <laughs> just like to oh, put yeah. the money into the square jar again, but um, we need to think about Power Platform really as a platform. And if we always think, yeah, I can do something with a Power App, or I can just like, I don't know, I can automate something with a Power Automate Flow, or yeah, maybe this little chatbot thingy could help me with, I don't know, onboarding or whatsoever. Um, I would not grasp what the platform can do for me, never. It's just like as if you would only see what Active Directory could do for you without even recognizing what is Azure about. And only seeing the Active Directory, and I get it, it's super important. And it's crucial for identity, but there's just like so much more to discover. And you will just like recognize Azure as a platform. And Power Platform, like the name says, is a platform as well. But if we don't uh, recognize it as a platform, we will not leverage its full potential. And a lot of people struggle with that. And that goes back because Power Platform community is pretty separated. So on the one hand side, there's the Office and SharePoint people. And they do Canvas applications and they do Power Automate flows and maybe they do some chat body things. Then we do have data platform people, they do Power BI and they don't do apps and they don't do flows because they are really into data. And then we have Dynamics people and Dynamics people do model-driven apps. And, but they don't know anything about SharePoint. It, it's true, so literally nothing. And it's not their fault because I don't know anything about Dynamics as well. So. It's not very true, but about nothing about dynamics. So, and if everything is so separated, then of course there is no common understanding in the community and at customers what that platform can do for me as a customer or as a partner or as a consultant or as a developer. And Microsoft totally fails in telling a consistent story because people at Microsoft do not talk with people at Microsoft. <laughs> and we know this. Uh, it is it is it is a pretty uh, severe issue, and um, if we if we know that the only thing that Microsoft earns money from in Power Platform is selling the data storage, which is dataverse with its own security model and known API and la 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 la, so you get a lot of value from that. You will notice that Canvas applications and chatbots and so on, that is the gateway drug 
to get people to store their critical business data in Dataverse. And you, they give us this whole platform so that we can easily interact with that data. And that is the goal. And it's not about how much lines of codes do we need to write. It's just like to fostering this automation culture and that culture of everyone needs to build apps because everyone needs to be aware what is really human, uh, genuine skills, and what can only be done by humans, and what is this just like stupid work that needs to be automated away. Okay, a um, pretty interesting picture that I would like to follow up on, but um, it's pretty late here. It was a long day, so yep. very much appreciate your time uh, and willingness to share your thoughts with me. Thanks a lot. Um, again, thanks a lot for the event and uh, very much looking forward to the next one next year. Thanks for having us. Thank you. This was Window on Technology, the tech podcast with Tobias Finster. Thanks for listening.